Why is it so uncomfortable to discuss money with friends, with loved ones, with family, with essentially anyone? Why is it so darn uncomfortable? Can someone just tell me why is it such a taboo topic anyway? Like, who told us this? I feel like at some point in life, we just became accustomed or we learned somewhere that we should just not talk about money. Don't talk about money um, with friends. It's such a personal conversation. Don't talk about money with even in relationship. Have you noticed that people don't even talk about money uh, when they're dating? Yet they're about to spend the rest of their life together and they don't even really truly get naked enough to talk about money. Why is that? Why is it such a taboo? Like, I just want you to envision just for a second. Let's just like close our eyes and picture this. I want you to picture being on a patio, sipping on your favorite drink, under the sun, yes, it's finally sunny. Um, and just envision yourself with good company. There's laughters, there's enjoyment, you know, great conversation. And part of that great conversation, just out of nowhere, you ask your friends, you know, those great companies, you ask your friends, hey, guys, what's your money personality? stuff think about it I want you to actually picture not feeling awkward about it just feeling free to have a conversation with your friends and say hey what's your money personality no awkwardness and actually have a conversation are you a spender are you a saver or are you an investor what is your money personality and then the conversation just flows and each and every one of you just start discussing oh you know what i find that i'm more of a spender and then you guys just go more in depth why is that you know and you 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 might say hey i'm more of an investor and your friends are like really that's awesome uh how did you become more of an investor and the conversation is just really good and flowing well, guess what? I want us to get that comfortable. I want us to be able to have these type of conversations freely and not feel any type of way about it. So today on episode two, we're going to talk about your money blueprint, right? So that we can have a better understanding. The Your money personality is what you do with your money. But your money blueprint is why is it that you do that with your money? So let's dive into episode two. Take hold of your freedom, take hold of your future with a financial savvy This episode, I've entitled it Your Money Blueprint. What exactly is your money blueprint? You know, a blueprint, let's just start there. That's a, that's your plan, your design, your diaphragm, the what I call the framework of your money. Your money framework, aka your blueprint, plays such an important role in your journey 
because it guides the entire process and it helps you predict your actions, your behavior, and frankly, your success rate. So this is your girl, Aki, and we're just going to dive into it and we're going to talk about your money blueprint. Uh, I'm not sure where you are as you're listening to this podcast. You may be sitting in a car, you may be at, uh, you know, at the office, or you may be um, on a train, on a bus, wherever you are, I really just want you to take a moment to reflect. This is going to be more of a introspective episode than anything else. So it requires your attention. Uh, it requires you being able to think and really apply what I'm saying to your personal circumstance. I Uh, A lot of people have, you know, the feedback that I've received from the first uh, episode. A lot of people really just wanted me to start by, you know, before having guest speakers or whatnot, start by talking about my experience. How did I go from point A to point B? How did I go from being a borer uh, to being a lender? How did I go from having debt to not having debt like what is my money story what is uh my personal journey and you know how did i get there so this is what i will be doing for the month of june but i want to do it in a way where i'm not just talking about my story uh but i am sharing tips with you um that I applied in my personal circumstance, sort of step-by-step that helped me get to where I am today. So hopefully uh, with this type of uh, podcasting, you know, of my personal story um, with helpful tools, you're going to find some transferable uh, tools and tips that would apply to your personal uh, circumstance. Okay, so in terms of your blueprint, you know, your money framework, I say, um, is so important. Your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions all have to be intertwined uh, for your financial journey to be really fruitful. For you to reach that financial freedom and uh, that you so desire and debt elimination outcome that you deserve, you know, all of that has to be intertwined. So if you are trying to implement some actions without having first looked at what is my mindset, what is my framework, what blueprint am I operating under? Unfortunately, you are setting yourself up for failure because your financial habits are a product of your thinking. That's just it. They are. To change them, you must first change the way you think. Otherwise, you are um, what I call trying to reach financial independence with a broke mindset. And it simply doesn't, doesn't work at all. You know, that's why a lot of people who uh, win the lottery actually end up going bankrupt. Have you ever like asked yourself why? Well, 
think about it for a second. Who usually plays the, the, the lottery, right? Um, it's not necessarily the wealthy people who play the, the lottery. It's everyday people and low-income people play the lottery hoping to just catch, you know, uh, a break and just acquire a lump sum of money that will fix a lot of their problems. And the problem is, you know, once in a while, someone wins and um, they acquire a lump sum of money, but their problems are not fixed. The problems are not fixed because instead of growing that money, instead of uh, investing that money, they are operating with the wrong framework. So they have the money, but they don't know what to do with it. So what do they end up doing is spending it or seeking advice without being informed. So they're not growing their money. They're not, um, you know, multiplying their wealth. Instead, they end up bankrupt because they spend all of that money. Why? It's the framework. So they have the money, but they have the wrong framework. So therefore, it simply doesn't add up. So if you change your way of thinking, it will affect your habits and it will trigger a change in your money patterns and behavior. And how do you do that? You do that by replacing your current blueprint, aka your current money framework with a blueprint that is more um, apt or adapt uh, ad- adaptable rather to uh, an enriched financial knowledge to an enriched um, mindset which will affect your behavior it will change your course of actions you know you won't just walk on the street and throw a dollar or a penny or whatever it may be just oh you know and you just throw some change on the on on the sidewalk no actually you'll see a change on the sidewalk you'll pick it up and you'll be like thank you lord for bringing this uh you know for for trusting me enough to allowing me to find this because you realize that it's not to be wasted right? You realize, you know, that's just an example, but really what I'm trying to tell you there is the little that you do have, you will take better care of it because you realize that if you are entrusted and you are being a good steward with the little that you have, you will be entrusted with more because you can actually handle the capacity that is put under your care. So when you can, your capacity will be increased. But if you cannot, why should you be entrusted with more money? Because the truth is, you'll simply just end up spending it. So um, that's why you change your money framework. That's why you change your blueprint. And uh, you embark in a path that is more aligned with thinking like a wealth creator. To do so, first thing first, you must identify what is your current money blueprint? You know, before changing it, identify what it is. What is your current money blueprint? And for you to do that, what I'm proposing is to ask yourself the following questions. The first question, 
growing up, what is it that you heard about money? What did you hear about money? You know, just turn your mind back to your childhood. Try to remember what you heard about money. Did you hear that, you know, money is bad? Did you hear that uh, those who have money are bad people? Like, what did you hear? Did you hear that money is a good thing? Um, What is it that you heard about money? Or did you just not even hear anything about it? Because absence of knowledge is also an issue, right? So just what is it that you heard about money growing up? And if you're able at this moment to do so, I want you to write these down. You know, write the question. Growing up, what did you hear about money? But I also want you to take the time to write the answer. Because this is you being intentional in identifying your blueprint. And I had to do that myself. Um, So what did you hear about money? I remember I didn't really hear much about money growing up. Um, My, you know, my parents had a pretty good life uh, back in Central Africa and Congo, um, high position. I knew that money we didn't really lack, but then uh, we also came to Canada when I was pretty young uh, and they had to start all over, which they did. So I knew for sure that the lifestyle that I had back home Um, in Central Africa, I didn't necessarily have it here, home in Canada when I first moved, right? So as a young child, I was about nine, 10 years old. I just knew that. And it's not like anyone told me we've never lacked anything. There was always food. There was all, we always had roof and good clothes and, and whatnot, but I just knew it, right? It's just sort of what you saw. I saw you know, back in Africa, you know, we had like drivers, we had maids, we had such a completely different lifestyle, multiple homes. My parents built uh, a school, they built a pharmacy, they they built so many things. They were um, so active, uh, such active members of society as well and contributing members uh, in high positions. So, and I remember I used to see my dad on TV and, and whatnot. And my mom was, you know, the essentially um, she was a director of a, such a high company and, and whatnot. So that's sort of the framework. And I remember they had employees because I remember that I, I, I just have this vivid memory of my mom literally paying people I would see her like pay people on a weekly base even at home so it's you know there was a home uh, empire that they built as well where they would employ a lot of people as much as they would also employ people in their respective fields so that's kind of the money um, growing up 
you know, sort of the, the money framework that I had. Um, so just ask yourself as well, you know, what did you hear about money? Two, what I want you to ask yourself is, in your household, was money discussed? Again, turn your mind back to when you were growing up, whether as a child or a an adolescent, whatever it may be, you know, if you are thinking of yourself as a, uh, a teenager and you are home, you know, having dinner with your parents or just at home in that environment, is money uh, a topic of discussion? Or if you're thinking of yourself as a younger child, is money a topic of discussion? And if it is, what source does it trigger when you think about money growing up as a child in your childhood or uh, as a teenager? When you think about money, what source of emotion does the memory trigger? Is it a joyful memory? Or is it a you know, sad memory, or is it a hurtful memory? Is it a um, angry memory? Whatever it may be, what is it that it triggers for you when you are thinking about that? And this is not you today. Again, you're going back to your childhood. You're going back to yourself as a teenager, and you're going back to your family circle and really trying to remember what memory is being triggered when you close your eyes and you're thinking way back about discussions in your household pertaining to money. And it's so important, you know, for instance, if you are um, a child who, or rather if you were a child, whose parents, you know, let's say separated or divorced as a result of financial hardship, or if you, you know, recall your parents having um, arguments pertaining to money, whether it was lack thereof or mismanagement or whatever it may be, you know, this is where you would kind of answer all of this in the second question. In your household, was money discussed? When you think of money, in your childhood? Is it a source of joy or not? What memory or emotion rather does it trigger? The third question that I want you to ask yourself is, culturally speaking, how is money perceived? And how are those who are of means perceived in your circle or culture influence. I find that different cultures kind of view money differently. You know, some cultures are really comfortable talking about money, including in the household, and some cultures are simply not. Um, I find that I definitely come from a culture that I would say isn't one where money is openly discussed quite the contrary I it's really actually not you know and that affects 
um, that affects you when you grow up because you are not necessarily equipped as well to have these discussions when you should be, right? You are not um, comfortable seeking help and, you know, asking for help even to your friends who you feel like could be a source of help. Everybody is so proud. Everybody is so private. Everybody is so, you know, I don't even know what else to say. Just simply not talking about money. Uh, We've been told multiple and multiple times that, you know, it's such a private conversation. You keep it to yourself. You don't discuss money. So you grow up not being equipped to discuss money and you get into a relationship and you also don't discuss money. And that includes personal relationship, friendship, whatever it may be. Meanwhile, other people are so openly, you know, freely discussing money at their dinner table, in business meeting, and, you know, at the golf uh, course, whatever it may be. That's usually where people, you know, it should be a small talk. Hey, what are you investing in? How's that working? How's that portfolio working for you? Those conversations are not reserved for just you and your financial advisor. You know, you have some people around you in your immediate circle who are doing well, who um, can really help you as well. Um you know, do well. And simply by them sharing their story, their money blueprint, it can be a great source of help for you. So it's important to get comfortable. Um, But you're asking yourself from a culture standpoint, how is money perceived? Because by understanding that, you will understand why is it that you currently have this blueprint, this framework where you don't feel comfortable. And we're going to change all that. That is why we have this podcast. You know, they say don't talk about money. I beg to differ. You cannot afford not to talk about it. You just can't. It's your personal finance is so important, affects so many areas of your life that remaining silent, suffering in silence is simply not a option it it isn't it isn't it is not a smart thing to do it is not wise it is not discerning and you are not helping yourself so on to question number four I want you to ask yourself how did all of the above that I just mentioned influence your conception of money and your relationship with it so what you heard about money, the discussions in your household pertaining to money, the feeling when you think of your childhood, the feeling that those discussions bring forth. And culturally speaking, your perception of money, how is it perceived in your circle, in your culture, of influence. All of these, after you've written them down, I want you to ask yourself, how did it influence your conception of money and your relationship with it? 
be really honest with yourself and write it down. I know for me, answering that question, it influenced in the sense that I wasn't comfortable talking about money. I, you know, even, I I didn't even think it was a thing that people did, you know, open up about their struggles either with debt or whatnot or money or talking to their friends about, you know, what are you investing? Tell me more about investment. Tell me more. Where are you saving? Where are you banking? You know, six, seven years ago, I was not comfortable talking about that. And I should have been because that's probably when I needed that wisdom and knowledge the most. And when you're comfortable having these discussions, then you're not just relying on the advice that you're getting from the bank. So be honest with yourself and write it all down. Now, the fifth question that I want you to ask yourself is, what is it about your past precondition? What is it about your framework? You know, the first four questions identified your money framework growing up or your current money framework if you haven't made the change yet as you're listening to this podcast. And the next questions are essentially to deconstruct that framework and replace it with a new one, with a new folder, a new, um, you know, yeah, a new folder, a new money blueprint for your personal finance. So to do that, the first thing that I want you to ask yourself is, what is it about your past precondition that you do not want to carry forward into your future or your present ideology surrounding money? So what is it about the past framework that you don't want to carry forward? I know for me, when... I did this, you know, years ago, I told myself that I don't ever want to be ashamed to talk about money. I don't ever want to be too proud to ask for help surrounding money conversation. And regardless if, you know, I'm ashamed about the circumstance, you know, because I was, I was ashamed about the circumstance that I was in. Uh, You know, you were making like making a lot of money, but feeling like you're living paycheck to paycheck. There's nothing pleasant about that. And you're ashamed about it. And I was, uh, but I just made a determination that I was not going to let that shame overpower my deep-rooted desire to get out of that situation. I'm going to say that again. I wasn't going to let that shame overpower my deep-rooted desire to get out of that situation, which meant for me that I had to get over that pride or fear or whatever you want to call it of not wanting to open up and seek help and, you know, ask, read, figure out how do I do that? 
you know, anyone around me that I felt like, oh my God, you're doing really well. I like the way you are handling things. I would ask questions. I would. And unapologetically about it. Be like, hey, you know, uh, what is it that you do um, when it comes to increasing your credit score? Like, what are you doing? Ask these questions. What is it that you're doing? Where are you saving? Where are you investing? What type of accounts do you have? How many accounts do you have? I became so open about, and I still am to date, and it's been years now, and I'm so open. I freely have these conversations with anyone who asks me, with, you know, anyone who I even want to ask, you know, because I don't feel like I've reached um, exactly where I want to be. I want to be in a position where passive income is my biggest source of income, regardless of a high paying job. Like the passive income has to increase to the extent where it is my biggest source of income. That's where I want to be. And I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. Stay tuned. So really ask yourself that. What do you not want to carry forward? And make a determination today that you're not going to carry forward that framework, that ideology because it is impacting your habit. It is impacting your ability to actually achieve your money goals. And then number six, what I want you to do is I want you to remind yourself, why are you on this financial journey to begin with? What is the root of your journey? Why is it important for you to become financially free? Why is it important for you to pay off those debt? Why is it important for you to, um, you know, become financially independent or just, you know, financially uh, literate? Why is that important for you? I remember I used to experience a lot of anxiety when talked or thought out loud about the debt that I was carrying, you know, from uh, professional school. And I graduated really young from law school. So you can only imagine when you're like 23, 24, and you're carrying a lot of debt like that. There's nothing pleasant about that. And I just remember in my early 20s, as a result of that, you know, I loved the fact that I graduated early. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, here I am and I've already had, what, almost 10 years under my belt of uh, legal experience. That's amazing. And I'm definitely proud of that. But at the same time as well, you know, you graduate early with debt so you already have this baggage that is carrying you. And when you don't have the financial literacy uh, that you need to know how to handle and eliminate uh, such a liability, it can definitely be a source of anxiety. And I remember experiencing that. 
So as you're asking yourself, you know, about your why, I know for me, you know, when I made the determination that I was just not going to live paycheck to paycheck, I was not going to continue paying off these debt, but that feel like I'm not because really I wasn't, I, I didn't quite understand that I was paying so much in interest alone for the longest time. And that's why I felt like it was not going down fast enough. And, um, you know, uh, but one of my biggest why was I decided that I was never going to live paycheck to paycheck again by all means necessary. It was not going to be my story. I won't even know when it's payday anymore because it's not going to be relevant anymore. And that's the framework that I shifted gears into. Payday will not be a day of remembrance because it won't be important because I'll never live paycheck to paycheck. I was distributing at that point my money in a formula. You know, I always talk about 10% into my giving, my tithes, 10% into um, my investment, 10% into savings, uh, and then, uh, the uh, 40% into your, your, your needs, which are the expenses that you absolutely need your housing and whatnot. And only 20% into my expenses that I consider to be my want. So when I shifted my pay with that framework, Every dollar that I was making had an assignment. And I was no longer living paycheck to paycheck at all. So that was my biggest why. And my why I find keeps on um, expanding. So that was my why when I started uh, my personal finance or my financial freedom rather journey. And then it expanded when I got married to, when I got married and we, we had, uh, we started having children, right? It expanded to, I wanted to build a financial empire for my family. You know, uh, my, my husband is very financially um, savvy and I know that together we can really build a financial empire. I wanted to become a lender and not a borrower. That became so key, so important. I remember one day I read Proverbs 22 verse 7, the NIV uh, version. And I read that when I, before even paying off my debt. And that's what really changed my mindset. You know, I've seen it before, but it's almost like that day, it just resonated with me in a different way. And that's a passage of scripture that talks about the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. That is so true. 
I just want you to think about the feelings that you get when you think of your creditors. When you see them. Have you ever like own anyone money and you see them and you just feel weird and awkward and you know um you, you, it's it's just you feel like you're enslaved that's what happens when you owe everyone or anyone or you you owe money you don't feel like you have the freedom to even enjoy this hard earned money that you're working for because it's going to your creditors so Another big why for me uh, was to not just free myself from such liability, from such uh, enslavement, but really to rise up and become a lender, someone who could become a source of help for those in certain situation and also be a kingdom financier and, you know, be able to impact people's lives inside and outside of churches, be able to uh, put together scholarships for, you know, academic scholarships for um, people who show academic excellence and it should be promoted, be able to help the needy, you know, freely. When you have a big heart and you want to help, you realize that your ability to help is uh, limited when you don't have the means to do that. I'm not saying money is the only way in which you can help, but it certainly is a big source Funding helps fuel projects, which helps to impact people's life in a more tangible way than just me standing there in a conference and empowering people in that fashion, right? So to be able to feed someone in need, to be able to become a lender, to be able to put together scholarships, to be able, you know, I'm a co-founder of a non-for-profit where we help women and millennials. And I can definitely tell you that when you do have funds, you can help so much more. So that is just ways in which my why, you know, expanded. So my why went from I didn't want to be pay, live paycheck to paycheck to I want to build a um, financial empire for our children's children. Um, and I want to uh, be able to be a lender and be able to really impact people's lives, even from a financial standpoint. Um whether it's through the non-for-profit or church or just the community at large, but be able to do that. So my why, my whys are what keeps me going. And that's what helped me uh, develop multiple sources of income. 
streams of income. You know, it's important to diversify your streams of income. And, you know, whenever the road gets hard for you, whether you are paying off your debt, uh, whether you're at that stage or you're building your investment portfolio or you are starting off saving up for your first thousand dollar emergency fund. Whenever the road gets tough and you just want to give up or, you know, circumstances arise and you just want to give up. Your why is what's going to keep you going. You're going to remember why you're on this journey to begin with. This is why it's so instrumental for you to know why you're doing this and to repeat it to yourself. That's what keeps you going in this journey. So the last thing that I want you to do. So number seven, after you've identified your why and your why can be more than just one thing. I want you to link your why to positive goals. Meaning, if you were to achieve your goals, what would you do? How would you give back? Link your why to positive outcomes instead of associating them to negative past feelings. So you went from saying, you know, I used to be, let's say you used to be broken. You're like, I don't ever want to be broke another day in my life. That was your why. That's what got you to a certain place. That's great. Now I want you to link it to positive outcome. You know, I don't ever want to be broke or I'm never going to be broke. Uh, rather, I'm going to uh, be a wealth creator so that I can impact XYZ area. So you went from, you know, I never want to be broke to I'm going to be a wealth creator. I am a wealth creator because I want to impact X, Y, X, Y, Z. So now you're linking your Y to positive outcomes. And the whole purpose of that is just for you to completely shift from a negative standpoint to a positive standpoint. Positivity is so attractive, right? And it keeps you going. And guys, this is truly how I replace my spending files, my poor money management files, my bad framework <laughs> blueprint, money blueprint to a more adapt money blueprint that is helping me and continues to help me to create wealth. It starts with your mind. And when I became successful in doing that, my habits changed. You know, the desire to go on shopping spree was simply not there. The desire to splurge because you feel like, you know, I deserve this. I work so hard. Uh, completely changed. I just don't have those desires anymore. I always say that when I became financially savvy, I traded my expensive um, taste for expensive goals. I'd rather, you know, take $500 and put it into investments that fuels our future plans than taking that $500 and buying a pair of 
I don't even know a dress or shoes. I know it's just not going to happen, right? But it becomes automatic when you've taken the time to shift your mindset. So do that. Shift your mindset. And I leave you with these positive declaration that I want you to say to yourself. You know, I just want you to tell yourself, I insert your name and deserving of being free of debt. Two, I insert your name, choose to adopt or rather adopt new ways and thoughts improving my relationships with money. I insert your name, am intentional about my financial freedom journey, and I will achieve my goals. We have 30 weeks remaining in 2019. There's still ample time for you if you become intentional about your financial journey today as you're listening to this podcast. I truly believe that you can and you will meet your financial goals for 2019. Become your biggest cheerleader in this journey. I can be your second biggest. I will be your second biggest, but I want you to be your biggest cheerleader. So feel free to contact us, email at financiallysavvygirl at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at financially underscore savvy girl or our Facebook page is financially savvy girl. You know, if you want details of our contact, it's going to be in the show notes for this episode and just send us an email write us a message. Let me know, you know, what you thought of this episode and what was your blueprint and what is your blueprint. And, you know, how are you doing in your personal financial uh, journey? Let me know. I would love to hear from you. Love to hear some feedback. And also just let us know what you want to hear. This is your girl, Aki. And uh, I really, really, really encourage you to adapt a more financial abundance lifestyle. Cheers.